What's up, church? Welcome to another week of Cedar Mill Online. I'm Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. And here we are the Sunday after Christmas. And although this season is coming to an end, it's only the beginning of so many good things that we believe that God has in store for our church family. And uh, we are actually continuing our series entitled Expectant. And we're going to spend a few moments in Matthew 2 reading about Um, some people that you may know as wise men. So if you have your Bible, if you have a notebook, pull those out and let's read from God's word, Matthew 2. Let's start in verse 1. It says this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw this star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and this is the quote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star um, that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place that the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So what we have here is the classic story of the three wise men, or you may have heard them referred to as the three kings, or even a word that we are less familiar with, the magi. Who are these people? Let's begin there. Who are these characters that we're going to be talking about today? Well, the word magi actually originates from the English word magic. Magic. But we cannot connect in our... our, in our minds that these are modern-day magicians. The ancient Greek historian Herodotus used the word magi to describe a a class of leaders among the ancient Medes and the Persians. So think of this. Matthew is probably using the word in more of a general sense, referring to educated court advisors of Mesopotamia or Persia. Um, Their work would have been involved in studying ancient, um, ancient and sacred texts, as well as watching for movements of planets and stars that might be interpreted as divine messages. So there are astrologers and intellectuals. Most scholars believe that these magi, they weren't Jewish. They, they for sure would have been influenced by a very large Jewish community along with Jewish teachers and scriptures, and they appeared very sympathetic to um, Jewish understanding of prophecy and fulfillment. And they combined their, their intellect, their intellectual research with their stargazing of sorts to make the astounding discovery of the birth of Jesus, the long-awaited king of the Jews. This excited them enough to set out on a pilgrimage or this expedition to Jerusalem 
in hopes of finding the child that they believe to be the fulfillment of this prophecy. So what we have is a group of non-Jewish men curiously setting out on a journey, giving up their time, their resources to find themselves bowing down before Jesus himself. Whether these men were God-honoring people before this story or not, we see a group of bent-kneed worshipers at the end of their journey. Today, I want us to really think through the messy reality of this story. If you think about it, it does not make logical sense for these three men to uproot their lives in response to a curious star in the sky, right? The journey that these men went on was wildly inconvenient when you think about it. Most scholars predict that this journey would have taken 40 days, 40 days on a camel. They go, oh, there's a curious looking star. Let's hop on our camels and just travel through the desert for 40 days. What is this question that I always come up to is like, what does this have to do with us today, 21st century Portlanders, right? Is this story just mere historical information that we just put in our Bible knowledge pocket and save for a rainy day? How do we actually internalize this? How, how do we practicalize this story? What does this story teach us about a journey towards Jesus? The journey these men took was completely unexpected. I know it's about expectant, but this was a very unexpected decision that they made. It was inconvenient. It was risky. But a truth that we find all throughout Scripture is actually gleaming in this passage. And that truth is this. When it comes to Jesus, we can expect the unexpected. When it comes to Jesus, the patterns or the expected ways of the world are actually flipped upside down. We can actually expect the unexpected when it comes to following Jesus. We we can expect people to do wildly unexpected things when it comes to following him. This morning is simple. I want to use this story, these characters of the wise men to teach us about ourselves and also to teach us about other people. This story has both this internal personal application and also this external societal response that I want to talk about. So let's start with some thoughts about what this means for us internally or personally. What if we woke up every morning expectant that our day would be interrupted by God and his kingdom pursuits? Think about that. What if we lived lives expecting unexpected interruptions? Sometimes if I'm being honest, I can go about life pursuing and being part of what seems most logical or reasonable without considering what is most kingdom-minded or kingdom-oriented. This story reminds me that when we pursue Jesus, we often find ourselves like these wise men in some radically inconvenient circumstances for the glory of God. When was the last time you found yourself in, in a radically inconvenient circumstance in pursuit of God? The question that I am challenged to ask myself in response to this, and I want to invite you into this challenge as well, is is this question here. Is your agenda interruptible? Do you hold your agenda of your day-to-day life so loosely that a prompting from God could grab your attention enough to, to cause you to do something out of the ordinary? If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that we ought to hold our plans loosely, right? But I would challenge us to believe that God's kingdom people must be flexible enough to respond to his promptings. What if we began to expect the unexpected in ourselves? 
What, what if there was no ordinary day because we were seeing through the lens of the extraordinary? Let's be wise men and women who aren't limited by the norms of life, but are anticipating and expectant when we see a star-like interruption that actually leads us to make a response that, that draws us towards Jesus himself. Let's look at some external implications on how this changes the way that we view other people. I can't help but wonder if some of, um, if some of the people who knew these wise men before they took this journey were thinking those local intellectual astrologers are setting out to go how far for what? I, I wonder if some of those in the Jewish community were thinking, these guys aren't even Jewish. What, what are they doing? Like, the question I, I want us to wrestle with in response to that is, what if we began to expect the unexpected in others? What if it was ordinary for people's hearts to be, to be completely captivated by God and for them to respond in unexpected ways? What if, what if we had not just an expectation but a confidence that if God got a hold of someone's heart that they would respond in some very, very wild ways? If I'm not careful, you may be similar to me in this, if I'm not careful, I, I can have such a limited view of people. It's so easy for us to limit the life of another person. I'm sure you can think of someone that, that you would love to see make a decision to follow Jesus. But if you are being honest, you might think, ah, I'd love that, but there's just no way. Like, they just would never change. They would never turn. I just can't imagine them following after God. Let me remind you that these wise men starting a, started a journey from curiosity, and it led them to an unexpected kneeled posture worshiping the Savior of the world. What would it look like if we expected the unexpected in others? What if we anticipated and looked forward and dreamed up what it would look like if God got a hold of the lives of the people in and around our lives? I believe how we treat and view other people actually shifts, um, shifts when and what we expect from them. So one of the, one of the things that I want to start off with is um, one of the things that we do when we actually, I'm gonna re, I'm gonna redo that thought real quick. I believe how we treat and view people begins to shift when we expect the unexpected in them. First off, we stop saying people's no for them. If I'm being honest, a barrier or an obstacle to sharing the gospel or or bringing up the news is simply based on me saying somebody else's no for them, like. I think uh, that person probably doesn't want me to coming to them talking about this Jesus stuff, right? And by doing so, I'm robbing the situation of the unexpected response that could be taking place in their lives. What if we woke up believing today could be the day that God got a hold of that person's heart and, and, and completely and radically changed their lives? Let's step into our day having faith and believing that God can and will do extraordinary things in the lives of the most unexpected people. Let's be expectant of that. Another one of the ways that we can expect the unexpected in others is by choosing to draw the best out of other people. We need people to see and draw the best version of who we are out of us, and we actually have the tools and the, and the means to be able to do that through other people. So, 
let me just say that this has actually been done in my life in particular. Like, I am not who I am simply on my own accord. People have encouraged me and pulled me along and dreamed up a bigger life for my life than I ever could have on my own. My youth pastor, he didn't limit my life to being this punk high school student. He actually expected the unexpected. He imagined and encouraged a bigger story for my life. He knew that I was better than the decisions that I was making. He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Or maybe when I first started ministry, um, my pastor at the time, Mike, he didn't limit me to this insecure, like, ministry rookie that I was. He saw what I could grow into. He expected the unexpected in me, and, and it changed how he interacted with me. Like, when we dream big for other people, there is no telling what that might ignite in their lives. question that I want to ask is, who are some people in your life that you tend to limit? The people who you think they would never turn their lives around, they, they, would be do, they would be doing good to make halfway decent decisions, let alone following God. In this season, we can be expectant that hearts will turn because we know that Jesus came specifically for people that are far from him. We're wrapping up the passage today where the wise men encountered Jesus and then traveled back home. And we can see from their response that the wise men seem to believe that Jesus deserved their absolute best. When, when these men arrived at their destination, they were extravagantly generous. They, they gave the best of their time. They gave the best of their resources. In this moment, they gave the best of their life pursuits. Gold, a precious metal, frankincense, an expensive incense at this time. Um, myrrh, an expensive perfume or medicine. These are all culturally extravagant gifts to bring before Jesus. Christmas season may be coming to a close, but may our response be that of wholehearted worship and radical obedience of of extravagant generosity to the one who is mighty to save. May the best of our time and talents and resources be aimed in Jesus's direction. May our schedule be interruptible. May our vision for people grow. And may we expect the unexpected both in ourselves and others as we bow down and worship before the King of Kings.